Good morning, everyone. Please turn to number 408, I Surrender All.
Amen. Now we will have our call to worship. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, Psalm 78, 52 to 58. But he led out his people like sheep and guided them like a flock in the wilderness. He led them in safety and they were not afraid and the sea closed over their enemies. He brought them to his holy mountain, the hill which his right hand had won. He drove out nations before them. He allotted their lands to Israel as a possession and settled his tribes in their dwellings. Yet they tried God's patience and rebelled against him. They did not keep the commands of the Most High. They were renegades, traitors like their fathers. They changed. They went slack like a bow. They provoked him to anger with their hill shrines and roused his jealousy with their carved images. Amen. That's kind of the problem of God's people. He does so much for us, and and we forget him and chase after things that really won't satisfy us. But what he's really looking for from us is to say yes to him with thanksgiving. So we'll continue to worship the Lord by singing number 15, My Tribute, How Can I Say Thanks? Just let me leave 
to God be all the glory. Um, Let us uh, invite his presence now with us here this morning. Lord God, we have gathered here to worship you. So we begin by asking you to please declutter us. Um, Just open up our hearts and our minds, our eyes and our ears to see you, to hear you, to experience you, Lord. Uh, May everything else be put aside. We also ask that you would protect us from any influences that may try to distract us, that our hearts may be fully on thee for this entire time of worship. We ask it in the name of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And now uh, let us take our bulletin inserts. And on the one side, we have this prayer of confession uh, penned basically from Scripture by Richard Baxter in the 17th century. Let us pray together. O most great, most just, and gracious God, you are of purer eyes than to behold iniquity. But you have promised mercy through Jesus Christ to all who repent and believe in him. Therefore, we confess that we are sinful by nature and that we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We have neglected and abused your holy worship and your holy name. We have dealt unjustly and uncharitably with our neighbors. We have not sought first your kingdom and righteousness. We have not been content with our daily bread. You have revealed your wonderful love to us in Christ and offered us pardon and salvation in him. But we have turned away. We have run into temptation and the sin we should have hated, we have committed. Have mercy on us, most merciful Father. We confess you alone are our hope. Make us your children and give us the spirit of your Son, our only Savior. Amen. And let us always remember the words that the Apostle John wrote towards the end of his life when he was an elder. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen. Let's continue uh, to worship the Lord singing two more songs, number 169, I Need Thee Every Hour, and number 371, Reach Out to Jesus. Oh, 
Jesus will 
Now we'll have our scripture reading for this morning. The reading is from Hosea 11, 1 to 9. When Israel was a boy, I loved him. I called my son out of Egypt, but the more I called, the further they went from me. They must needs sacrifice to the Balaam and burnt offerings before carved images. It was I who taught Ephraim to walk, I who had taken them in my arms. But they did not know that I harnessed them in leading strings and led them with bonds of love that I had lifted them like a little child to my cheek, that I had bent down to feed them. Back they shall go to Egypt. The Assyrian shall be their king, for they have refused to return to me. The sword shall be swung over their blood-spattered altars, and put an end to their prattling priests and devour my people in return for all their schemings, bent on rebellion as they are. Though they call on their high God, even then he will not reinstate them. How can I give you up, Ephraim, How surrender you, Israel? How can I make you like Adma or treat you as Zeboim? My heart is changed within me. My remorse kindles already. I will not let loose my fury. I will not turn round and destroy Ephraim. For I am God and not a man, the Holy One in your midst. And the next reading is Mark ten thirteen to 16. But they brought children for him to touch. The disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, Let the children come to me. Do not try to stop them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you, whoever does not accept the kingdom of God like a child will never enter it. And he put his arms round them, laid his hands upon them, and bless them. 
Amen. This is the word of the Lord. And now, um, this is a fifth Sunday, so we're going to do something a little different. Uh, Pick up your Sing Joyfully books and go way to the back to number 629. And uh, we will do a responsive reading together. Uh, This is a responsive prayer for the people of God, number 629. Hear our prayer, O Lord. Spare us, good Lord, from all sin, from all error, from all evil, from the cunning assaults of the devil, from unprepared and untimely death, from war, bloodshed, and violence, from corrupt and unjust government, from and treason. Good Lord, deliver us. Deliver us, O Lord. Hear our prayer, O Lord. Spare us, good Lord, from epidemic, drought, and famine, from fire and flood, earthquake, lightning, and storm, in all time of our tribulation. In all time of our prosperity, in the hours of living and in the hours of dying, preserve our souls against the day of judgment. Hear our prayer, O Lord. Though worthy, we implore you to rule and govern your universal church, to guide all servants of your church in the love of the word and in the holiness of life and put an end to all schisms, to cease the causes of offense to those who will believe, and to bring into truth all who have gone astray. We implore you to hear us, good Lord. Beat down Satan under our feet, and send faithful workers into your harvest, to accompany your word, your spirit, and power to raise up those who fall, and to strengthen those who stand, to comfort and help faint-hearted and distressed. We implore you to hear us, good Lord. To give to all nations justice and peace, to preserve our country from discord and strife, to direct and guard those who have civil authority, and to bless and guide all our people. We implore you to hear us, good Lord. We hold and help all who are in danger, need, or in tribulations, to protect and guide all who travel, to preserve and provide for all women and children, to watch over children and to guide the young, to heal the sick, and to strengthen their families and friends, to bring reconciliation to families in discord, to provide for the unemployed and for all the need, to free prisoners from the bondage of their lives and prisons, to support, comfort, and guide all orphans, widows, and widows, and to have mercy on all your people, Dear Lord Jesus Christ, take away the sins of the world. Give us the strength to forgive our enemies, our persecutors, 
and slanderers, and to be exiled. Help us not to be alien to ourselves, to accept the joy our place in his works of redemption and creatures of God. Help us not to rebel against your creative order but to wisely use the fruits and treasures of the earth, sea, and air. Grant us, O Lord, your peace. Make known to us in great depths the mystery of your reincarnation, Christ among us, our hope. Give us grace to understand and experience your death, burial, and resurrection. Help us, dear Lord, we implore you. O Christ, hear us. In all things, may we be the people of God. Amen. It's almost unnecessary uh, to pray the pastoral prayer after all of that. That pretty much covers everything that we would ask of God, but let us pray. Father God, we thank you for having all the qualities of a perfect father. You have reached out to us since our birth that we might know you and your ways to live the best life you have planned for us. We thank you that when we get too big for ourselves and turn away from you, to that which cannot satisfy all your compassionate love acts in our lives to speak to us through the prophet, your son, Jesus. And when we are deaf to him, you discipline us in your love to bring us back to you. So first, we ask you to show us anything in our lives that is preventing us from enjoying your life-giving, life-changing Father love. Then let us confess this as part of the wrong bent of our heart to be forgiven and restored through your Son. And finally, may the Holy Spirit enable and empower us to reciprocate your great love to us by joyfully, willingly obeying the greatest commandment as a way of thanking you for your great Father love. May we love you with all, all that we are, all that you have given us. We pray for our world, especially what's happening in Afghanistan. We know you are in control. So we pray for all the refugees, for those who have come to appreciate freedom that they learned from Americans. And we know that true freedom is only in your son. But for those refugees who do come here or anywhere where you have your people, may they come to know you in Jesus and help us to be salt and light in our culture, reminding people of your love for the poor 
and the needy who know they are poor and needy. For the lost, the last, and the least. For the widow, the orphan, and the alien sojourner. These commands go all the way back to Moses on the mountain, which we heard in our call to worship. Please use us, your people, your church, also to help people see the danger of disregarding life, of not respecting and standing for life from conception to the grave, and also for turning your beautiful gift to a man and a woman joined in marriage into a recreational sport to be indulged in by whomever, whenever, according to lusts. Father, we know that you are the one who brings about change, but you have commissioned us to be your ambassadors. Help us to do so. And before we turn our eyes to our own family, we also heed your word in the Psalms and elsewhere. And we pray for the peace of Jerusalem and all who are physical descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. May they know with a surety Messiah has come some 2,000 years ago. And now for our church family, we pray for Ali on this reunion weekend. May it be a, a special weekend and a blessing. We pray for Christine for relief from all that ails her. We pray for Ray and Nancy and Francis and for Joe and his family, Elin, Renato, Peter, Linda, Billy, Norgi, Mom, everybody in the family, extended family. We pray for Ken, Father. We pray that he's well. We pray for Sally and Kurt and Charlie and Norma and her family. And finally, we pray that your word will act in our hearts. And please help me as I explain, interpret, and apply it. And now we come to you with one heart and one voice in the words that Jesus gave to his fathers as a model outline for all prayer, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And before we go to the word, uh, take your bulletin inserts. We're going to sing a song that um, Deb and Dave Lang introduced to us uh, over a dozen years ago now. Wonderful, merciful Savior. Wonderful, merciful 
That's a really good song, good words, and kind of fun to sing, too. Well, in a recent Vestry Voices article, I stated one of the greatest qualities of God as father to his children is that he disciplines them for their own good to produce his righteousness and peace in them. But let me just say the amazing thing about God as father is how many great qualities he has. Today, we hear from the prophet Hosea, who lived over 700 years before Jesus was born as a human baby, In Bethlehem, another way that God is a great father to his children who live by the faith of Jesus, the Savior. Namely, that even when his children, for whom he has done so many acts of gracious love, turn away from him in adolescent rebellion. He remembers them as young, dependent children, and he has compassion on them. Now, this is not because of any good that these rebellious adolescents have in them, but because he brought them forth from conception to birth in the first place, out of his great love. And he patiently showed him his ways when they were still young. And our gospel passage teaches a similar message to adults who were taking pride in being followers, followers of Jesus. He is displeased with disciples who try to prevent parents from bringing young children to him. 
He goes on to say, and this is the heaviest thing in our scriptures this morning, that anyone who does not become as a young child who is dependent on his or her parents will in no way ever enter the kingdom. And then after this admonition, he blesses the young children, showing disciples that people who are least in the eyes of the world, least in the eyes of the world, are welcomed by his father and by him. So with this high-level overview, let us look at the details so we may know God better and draw close to him. Now, let me just say a word. I read an article on translations this week, and there are many translations of the Bible. And as I was working through this passage, I saw that many of the words in this passage can be translated with a whole lot of words that are somewhat related and maybe even not. So I'm going to preach from as close to the text as I understand it, but I think you'll be able to reconcile it with whatever version you're using. Now, from the reading in Hosea the prophet, it can be summed up that God was a loving father to his son, but he's going to destroy Israel for turning to idols. However, his compassion will calm his wrath. Bottom line, it occurred to me this morning, he always leaves a remnant. So there's two parts, and the first part is the longest. In love, God called his son out of Egypt, but they as a nation, as a people, forsook the one who taught them to walk, going after idols so he will destroy them, but not fully. So let's take it verse by verse. The covenant God, that's Yahweh, says, when Israel was a youth, I loved him, and from Egypt I called my son. So here it is. This is father love. God relates to all the descendants of Israel as a father full of love for his son. He loved Israel, even all 400 years that they were in bondage in Egypt. But finally, after 400 years in bondage, he called his son, the whole nation is one, from slavery to himself. Secondly, now this is a literal translation, they, in quotes, called to them. So they went from them. Now, I noticed that in the version we heard, it was I. In the footnotes to the New American Standard, it says the first and last they are God's prophets who actually speak for God. So however you want to translate that, as God is calling to his people, Um, His people are leaving him, okay? They're going from him. They're sacrificing to the Baals, and they're burning incense to their carved uh, idols, their carved objects of worship. So what what are they uh, doing? They are rejecting their father, the God, and his prophets that he sent for Baal, who was a god of thunder, and for the works of their own hands, their own idols that they have 
created. So people, here's our first application. And let's all take this to heart. I know I have tried to this week. Because of God's love for his children, may we repent of anything in our lives that prevents us from returning Father God's love. He has done so much for us in love. How can we not love him back? And yet we do. It's part of our nature. So may we just repent of anything that keeps us from loving God as he loves us. That's our first thing to consider. And then God goes on and says, I myself taught Ephraim to walk. I took him by his arms. You can almost see a father just holding on to the hands or maybe, you know, behind holding on to the upper arms and guiding the son so that he can learn to walk as he takes his first step. But they did not know that I healed them. Now, Ephraim was the second son of Joseph. When he was living in Egypt, God gave him a son, Manasseh. God's caused me to forget my trials and my being in prison. And then he was blessed with another son. And Ephraim means twice fruitful. So God gave him two sons. So he's the second son of Joseph, the son of Israel. And God describes himself, again, as a father, tenderly teaching and supporting and guiding his son, taking his very first steps but they were ignorant of all God had done for them. And I think the best way to translate this is healing, healing of everything. God's constantly looking to heal us and to bring us to him. What are we going to do? And then he says, I drew them out with the rope of a man with the bonds of love. Then I was to them as one who takes up a yoke from off their jaws And I stretched out to him, and I fed him. Here is love in action. Here are three specific things God did for his people when they had been in bondage. Okay? He took them out of slavery. And as he took them out of slavery, he took off the yoke that they were forced to wear and what was in their mouth. And then he stretched out his hand and he gave them food. And even though Israel is now rebelling against him, God reminds them of his past deeds of love for them. And it's only because of his memory and remembering them when they were young that he has compassion on them in spite of their current rebellion against him. And I think the bottom line of this Hosea passage is God has compassion on his rebellious children because he remembers their early childhood when they were young and they responded to his love. And then talking now about Ephraim, one of the leading tribes of Israel, the 10 northern tribes, he says he's not going to go back to Egypt, but an Assyrian will be his king because they refuse to return. A sword will whirl in his cities and will make an end to his gate bars, 
and consume from their councils. So destroyed by Assyria. This happened in 722, less than a decade after Hosea gave this prophecy, when Assyria conquered the 10 tribes of Israel, killing many and scattering the rest. You've probably heard of the lost tribes of Israel. Well, I think this ties together the two things I had in the introduction. This is the discipline of love that a good father will bring upon his wayward children in order to change their hearts and bring them back to him, like as in Hebrews 12. And then he says, my people are bent on turning from me. And, And they will call to him, to the Most High, but together he will not be exalted. Let's pull this apart and understand what it means. As one person now, Israel is steeped in iniquity. And the word iniquity means to be twisted or to be bent. Their hearts are bent the wrong way. So when they call out to God most high, it's meaningless. Why? Because they don't really recognize him as the exalted God. They are treating him as a mere peer. As, as one who is like them, not as the wonderful God, the great father, full of love and compassion. God will have more to say about this later. And now in the second part of this passage, the climax of it, God will not give Ephraim up totally because of God's compassion which is kindled for his son, so he will not come in wrath. Rapid fire. How can I give you up? How can I surrender you? How can I give you like Adma? How can I treat you like Zeboim? With four rhetorical questions, Father God entreats them so he will not have to send them into exile. Now, I did a little bit of research and go back to Genesis 14. There were five cities mentioned that were tightly packed together in a valley. And the two leading cities of this valley were Sodom and Gomorrah, but also we find Adma and Zeboim there. So what he's really talking about is when God totally wiped out Sodom and Gomorrah, reducing them to ashes, the same thing happened to these other three cities. So he's saying, you know, I don't want to treat you like Sodom and Gomorrah. How can I do this? And he says, my heart is turned to myself and I have compassion and they're all being con- kindled together like like a flame. You see, I think what it's saying here is God's heart is perfect. No matter which way you turn it around, no matter where you look at it, it's filled with a father's love, a father's love for his children. And it will not change. In fact, he has an abundance of hot compassion for them. And here's our second application. I think this is really, really awesome when we think about it. God's father heart is a perfect, consistent father's heart that does not change. 
in that he is loving, patient, and compassionate. Those qualities all come from our passage. That's the kind of father that God is. Let us realize this. Let us appreciate it. Let us live by it because he does it even when we scorn his grace. This comes back. Let's repent of anything that keeps us from enjoying and returning God's love to him. And may we understand and appreciate that even when we mess up and when we turn away from him and when we walk away from his grace, his desire is to bring us back to show love and compassion. In fact, it's kindled in him. He's burning to do this for us. So he will not act in his hot anger and he shall not turn back to totally destroy Ephraim. Again, they were punished. Some died. Some were carried away into exile. Most But although God had totally wiped out Sodom and Gomorrah and those cities surrounding it in his righteous anger, he's declaring to Ephraim, descended from Israel, that he will not totally destroy them in his anger, even though they are rejecting him and going to idols. He's remembering their childhood. He will have the compassion of a father even on his now rebellious son. Again, let us hold on to this. It's an awesome truth if we have the right heart and attitude. God has compassion on his rebellious children because he remembers their childhood. Let me just add this in. I did it this morning practicing and thinking about this. Do you remember when you first received God's forgiveness and God's spirit, the amazing joy you had when every part of your heart was turned to God in gratitude. That's like when Israel, when Ephraim were young children and they let God teach them how to walk. The problem is we get too big for ourselves. We take God for granted, but he will have compassion if we return. And so finally, I talked about God being different from people. He says, I am God and not man, holy in your midst. I will not come in wrath. You see, people, it seems whenever we have a disagreement, we tend to escalate things and fight fire with fire. But part of God's holiness, part of it, there's a lot, but it's his love and compassion, especially for his children. Now, remember, he showed them loving discipline because many of them went into exile and were scattered. But as he's remembering Israel's youth when he nurtured them and trained them how to live with him, he will come in compassion, not wrath, even in exile. Repentance leads to restoration, and that happened to Judah as they were in Babylon. So here's our third application from the Hosea passage. Let us be moved by the word of God and the spirit that when we rebel against God, when we get far away from him, 
Let us come back to him with all our heart because that's what he longs for. That's what he wants. That's what he desires. God has compassion on his rebellious children, remembering when they were young children. And with that in mind, it's a perfect transition to the gospel passage we heard about Jesus. Parents are bringing children to Jesus and they get rebuked by disciples, but Jesus says, first of all, no one can enter the kingdom without receiving it as a young child, and then it closes with him blessing them, continually blessing them. So parents are bringing young children to Jesus. I'm picturing like four or younger. They're doing it so that he might bless them. But disciples, we're told the disciples are rebuking them. Jesus finds out he's displeased and he's saying, do not forbid them, let them come to me. So the parents are bringing young children to him that he he may touch them. Parents are continuously, this is happening over time, bringing their children to Jesus in the hope he would bless them by the touch of his hands. But we're told the disciples rebuke the men. Now notice what's missing here. We're not told that they're disciples of Jesus at this moment because they're not acting anything like Jesus or God. They may call themselves followers, but that's it. But having seen this, Jesus is displeased. And he said, you must allow the young children to come to me. You must not hinder them. So when the 12 were rebuking the fathers, and it's a masculine noun here. So that's kind of cool. Human fathers and their wives, the mothers, they're bringing people to Jesus. And he's displeased and indignant to those who are saying no. Positively, he commands them to allow the fathers, the parents, to bring their young children to him. And negatively, he commanded them not to hinder that he would bless these children by forbidding the fathers, the parents, to seek a blessing for their young children. And he says, because of such is the kingdom of God. Jesus clearly says that young children, even young children are of God's kingdom. Why? Well, I learned this from discipleship explored. Young children understand all that a strong and loving human father will do for them. And for them, it's no great leap when they are told that God is the strong and loving father to give their hearts to God. Now, after this rebuke and explanation of about our need to be like little children, trusting our father with everything and all that we are, he continues and says, truly I'm saying that anyone not receiving the kingdom of God as a young child will not ever enter into it. So let me just tell you, um, this jumped out at me. He's using the strongest negative language 
expression that's available to him in human language. Literally, he's saying, no, not may they ever enter in. Jesus is saying proud adults who consider themselves self-sufficient are not, no way. Anyway, in God's kingdom, they will be rejected by God. But then it concludes, having taken them, meaning the young children, he's blessing them. Having put out the hands of him on them, the young children. So this is words and actions from Jesus. We're told he's continually giving good words to the children. That's what blessing literally means. These young children. And he's putting his hands on them. And by both his words and his actions, he's showing disciples that the fathers of these young children are right to bring them to Jesus to receive his welcome, to receive his blessing. And why? The reason is that young children know full well that they need others. They need people to take care of them. They're dependent on their parents to meet their every need. So what is Jesus teaching here? Those who are knowing that they are dependent, dependent on God for everything, that they have the loving Heavenly Father, they are welcomed by Jesus. So here's our last application as we begin to wrap it up. May we, in fact, not may we, we must allow ourselves to be humbled by God, to have childlike, dependent faith in God through Jesus. And then we will be welcomed and blessed by him. So let's wrap it up. In love, the covenant God called his son out of Egypt as a father. But because Israel forsook him for idols, he will consume them from the land. He sent them away. He dispersed them. However, his compassion for his wayward son will keep him from coming in wrath to totally destroy him. He will leave a remnant. He will leave the door open. And when Jesus walked the earth as God's son, he was displeased when disciples rebuked parents bringing young children to him. And he said, anyone not receiving the kingdom as a young dependent child depending on God, will in no way ever enter this kingdom. But then putting his hands on the young children, he is blessing them. And the verb used here means he continually blessed them. So everything pulls together in this gospel passage. Parents were continually bringing their children to Jesus. And he was continually blessing the young children. Because young children know, they understand their dependency. And may we always be dependent on God in faith. And let us never forget, God has compassion even on his rebellious older children because he remembers their childhood when they first came to him in faith. And they loved him as small children. Amen. And let us close by singing uh, together.
Uh, let me get our bulletin. Yep, let us sing a song reminding us of when we responded to God's invitation in the first place and became his young children. 389, softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling.
Amen. Our benediction this morning is from the end of the first chapter of Peter's first general epistle to scattered and persecuted Christians. Since you have, in obedience to the truth, purified your souls from a, for a sincere love of the brethren, fervently love one another from the heart. For you have been born again, not of seed which is perishable, but imperishable. That is, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, in all of its glory, like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls off. But the word of the Lord abides forever. And this is the word which was preached to you. Therefore, putting aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn babes, long for the pure milk of the word, that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, if you have tasted the kindness of the Lord and coming to him as to a living stone rejected by men, but choice and precious in the sight of God, you also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For this is contained in scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a choice stone, a precious cornerstone, and he who believes in him shall not be disappointed. So let us go on growing on the spiritual food, the milk and bread, of the word of God. Amen. And for our final song this morning, turn to number 24, Be Still and Know. Be still. 